And I think everyone, Contact Lost is finally, finally live. This is the first time we're doing this live. Uh, I hope that the countdown worked. There, is, there was no music because we don't have that ready yet, but we just wanted to get this live. We just wanted to, to, to get in touch with you. We wanted to have you over. We wanted to have our wonderful guest over, as you, as you can see, as you could see in the previews, and as you can see now uh, with me today, I have, I'll start with my co-host, Joker. Hey, guys. And, of course, the one, the only, the magnificent Arhon Skari. Ah, the dark kin indeed. Hello, everyone. Thanks I for was, having me on. I was waiting so much for this for this welcome and for this greeting. So uh, it's so good to have you here. Finally, 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 we get to speak. Um, today we get to speak. We we continue the the uh, the series that we started two episodes ago. The two episodes ago we started my forty mm -hmm. k job. This is the series that we sort of do because, as we agreed commonly, the three of us in the pre-show conversation, uh, people are sort of in the limbo when it comes to the hobby. Tenth yep. edition is on the way. Definitely. Yeah, so so we wanted to do something else, something different, draw your attention to other stuff, uh, present to you some new concepts, new ideas, and perhaps this will inspire you, our viewers, to uh, start something new, to you know pick up new ideas, maybe do your own podcast or start your own coaching or start organizing tournaments. Who knows? There are so many opportunities and so many possibilities. But Okay, hi Albin, by the way. I can finally greet the people who listen to us. That's so amazing. Anyway, Skari, uh, let's start with you. To the people, for example, from Poland, our listeners who might not know who you are. What do you do? Where can people find you? Where are you? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I'm a long-time listener ever since you started Contact Lost. You've been kind of running the podcast. It's it's always really awesome to hear the conversations that you have and uh, the people you bring on. So thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. For uh, those who don't know, I, I people know me as Scary. <laughs> I, I run a YouTube channel called Scarcast. Um, it's mainly on YouTube. Um, I run a Patreon. Uh, Discord. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, um, basically Facebook, social media in general. I'm a member of the Canadian National Warhammer 40,000 team. Um, I, I'm an event organizer. I started this whole thing as a hobby podcast. And uh, yeah, that's basically where you could find me. I work, I do work with Mini Wargaming. I'm a part of the Art of War coaching team. Um, so, so I keep myself busy. Let's just say that. Yeah, wherever you look, or wherever we look, we will probably see your face. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid to open the fridge now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your milk cartons too, because I went missing uh, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm stuck in the basement recording podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, but uh, so okay, so so it hasn't always been like this, right? Let's get into the thick of it. Let's talk about your. Uh, activity or your your job, uh, the thing that that win, wins you money. So, I remember in seventh edition, I think that was around 2014 or 2015. I started collecting Dark Elder. It mm -hmm. was my second army. I was poor back then, so I actually had to make a promise to my wife that I'm going to make her pregnant again in order to be able to start a new army, and the army was Dark Eldar. Problem was, I never really checked what the army could do, 
And it turned out that in seventh edition, this wasn't like the strongest army. It wasn't even close. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so looking for inspiration, looking for tactics, looking for uh, other things, I turned to YouTube. And once I input Dark Eldar, because I think back then they were called Dark Eldar, not mm -hmm. Tukari. They're still called Dark Eldar for any true <laughs> fans exactly. out there. Exactly. So if you input that into YouTube back then, uh, your channel would be the first one to pop up, the first one to appear. Mm, and you did amazing unit reviews, the whole codex, codex review, uh, rules reviews, and so on. And you sort of demonstrated how to use this army. Uh, despite, you know, all the uh, other strong armies and so on and so on, how to find yourself in the meta. Was that what you wanted to go with initially? Was that the plan for the channel to do reviews and so on and so on? And then it so sort of grew exponentially or you just started this as a hobby? How, how, how did it happen that the whole YouTube channel started? Well, back when YouTube was not really a thing, you mean? And it was like exactly. this little hole in the wall where you'd film with like a crappy uh, a crappy camera and put, you know, seven minute videos up because it would not let you upload anything longer than that. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, I started on YouTube mainly as just a hobby. I think I'd seen a couple of, there were a couple of YouTube channels out there. It was like Mini Wargaming that was starting to do some stuff with YouTube um there was like uh like um who was it there was a guy called eldar corsair that did like youtube videos here from like uh in canada and there was like frontline gaming had done a couple of like youtube things and you know like they were striking scorpion i think yeah striking scorpion was like big production stuff you know ever since from the beginning that was very like big um but yes that was like there was there wasn't very much on youtube and it was a way for me to um, share my hobby, essentially. I just wanted to, I think it started more as a documentation of the things that I was doing and just kind of showing it off. Just being like, I felt like I, I'd always been a competitive player at heart and I played a lot of Black Templars and I played a lot of, um, and I wrote, I used to write a lot. Like I, I was on a lot of forums like Daka Daka and, um, you know, back when forums were a thing, kids. Um <laughs> Um, where, you know, I'd write, I, I used to write picture battle reports, you know, of course, inspired by our favorite white dwarf bat reps from back in the day. And so I would play a game a week, usually, and I would take lots of pictures and I would put the pictures in and make a synopsis of every turn and, and do like written battle reports uh, for my Tomb Kings, my Black Templars and, you know, things like that. And eventually it transitioned into me trying YouTube. You know, and it, it came at a time where my son was just about to be born and I was on parental leave. And other than like, you know, helping around the house, like there wasn't much else to do other than like if the baby was sleeping or I'd like feed or, you know, put him to sleep or whatever. So I was I had like three months of staying at home and I painted a lot and I did a lot of videos uh, and it sort of like became a habit. I was like filming and I found a formula that I liked in terms of ease of filming and editing more than anything, as well as working on the Scardcast podcast. And it kind of went hand in hand. So I would talk about something like a topic on the podcast, and then I would try and give physical evidence to what I was like tangible proof about what I was talking about by applying my words in real life, right? Instead of just theory crafting or 
guess working. I'd be like, I can make this work and this is how I will make this work. And uh, as for unit reviews, that was just a fun project because I really enjoyed um, talking about the lore. And then it kind of went hand in hand with going, hey, this is my favorite combo with each unit at this current stage, right? And it, and it seemed to really resonate with people. The Dark Eldar thing was more because of a lack of time. I didn't really have the time or the money to expand into different factions. So I had to focus on one thing, <laughs> which so at the end of the day the was, yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the day, that was the main reason I did one faction is I couldn't like afford multiple armies. And let alone the time combined with work and family to play a game with multiple armies to make it sustainable, right? So, so one army it was. So at the beginning was I mean when you started this you you ran the podcast you ran the channel and so on and so on uh, was the idea of actually you know monetizing this or or turning this into a profession already there from 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 the beginning or no. again w w yeah. I always recommend anybody out there, go, please, please watch my first YouTube video I ever did. Please. Like, go to my videos, go to sort from oldest to newest, and watch my first battle report that I ever did. That was the first video I uploaded to YouTube. It's terrible. It is like six minutes long. My, my, the thing I was using for filming ran out of battery, like two turns into the game. And the lighting was awful and the terrain wasn't even finished. But if I can do it from those beginnings, anybody can. <laughs> so I always recommend you go watch it because it was not what I intended to do. It was more of just a like, creative outlet. You know, my my aunts and uncles are very, well, especially one of my aunts. She's a like an interior designer and a go-getter and like a TED talker and things like that. And she was always doing like projects that she really enjoyed as like a creative and artistic outlet and this was just like my way of being creative and having an outlet to the the like the crazy day-to-day -day of like a hard job basically that's cool i'm definitely gonna watch that video after we finish this for inspiration <laughs> we'll yeah, see it's, if it's not got good any it is not at... good at all <laughs> it's me against my brother you get to see my brother and i if i had the dark eldar and he brought his space marines and it was way back in the day yes <laughs> so um when did you realize that this could actually be a job and what were the biggest challenges at the beginning so um in terms of making my hobby into a job at first it was a gradual thing so i had seen people kind of create a business out of it like mini wargaming and like striking scorpion and, and you know, a very few select individuals and I really, of course, always drew inspiration from seeing them go and, and kind of do well. Um, and so I, I heard of this cool thing called Patreon um, back. This was like 10 years ago. This was like when it had just started up. And I really liked the concept of a Patreon. It wasn't like a Kickstarter where you asked for or a GoFundMe, right, where you asked for like a certain amount of money. It was more of a ancient medieval time system where a lord with money would commission an artist to make a statue, right? And the artist was provided for while they were making the statue of a lord or whatever. And so I kind of, that sort of interaction with Patreon, I really appreciated being like, if you believe in what I'm doing, you can give me a couple of bucks a month. It means I can continue to do what I'm doing, but I'm really doing it because of all of your help. 
right? And so it was a very symbiotic relationship. And so I started one up and, you know, you promoted it and whatever, and eventually had like, you know, 20 or 30 Patreons. And it was, you know, there was a couple, there was like a little bit of money coming in. So it came to the point where my monthly tournament I would go to was like paid for, right? Like travel, mm -hmm. like get into the tournament. And then I'd like make it like, like, and then I, you know, uh, make content about it and stuff and talk about tactics and things. But turning it into a job was more of a necessity than me planning on doing it. Okay. And okay. like, I'm still very interested in how, how that happens. For uh, yeah, example, okay. how, how, how did your, let's, how did your let's wife react? Let's dive into story time with Scarry, shall we? Absolutely. Okay. Like, uh, we have time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the so, whole yeah, point how of did this your, meeting. Yeah, exactly. How did your family react to this like i don't um, know your mom your dad your wife like did you well, tell I, them they, well, they, they all reacted completely different so it's very different you know anyway my mom to this day still asks me when i'm going to go back to school right and kind of like apply my degree which is really funny i love my mom but that's just my mom she's you know <laughs> traditional english you know her parents made her become a vet she's now a teacher went to like you know cambridge university in england the same with my dad right they're all they're academics right and uh, and so she's always like, why do you play games for a living? You could be a teacher. I'm like, well, you I kind of do anything. teach. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> go back go back to school and get a master's degree. I'm like, well, I've got my, my Bachelor of Arts degree. It's sitting right there. It just reminds me that I can write a paper on submarines if I really wanted to. You know, like things like that. So... <laughs> Um, uh, and I spent a lot of money for that piece of paper, so it set to my wall here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I had, so I, once my son was, so my parental leave was over, I needed to find a job. I was fresh out of university and I got into sort of like a hard sales job. It was like a full commission job, right? It was um, it was anything from event-based marketing sales to door-to-door -to -door sales to um, a variety of things. So it was a very, like, um, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. I was very good at it. And it was something that consumed my life for like seven years uh, because it was like, 80 hour work weeks traveling all the time and i got to a point where i was like a manager in the company i had like my own branch and you know in the like salesman i was like hiring and firing people and stuff like that but it was eating me alive inside when i became a manager and i had to like be callous about money right and being like if you don't make money for this company you have to go and i don't care about your kids you know and i'm like and that I just couldn't do that. My soul just just couldn't stand it, and it was really toxic for me. Um, so I kind of had a breakdown, and I and I told my wife, I was like, um, you're you I I'm gonna die. Like this is this is not good. Like I'm like degrading as a human being, and I feel like the world is gonna end. So do you mind like paying the bills for for a little bit? And I want to see if I can make 
creating content, playing games, my job for like for to educate people and to do what I'm passionate about. And uh, so she agreed. And I put a post on Instagram and I was like, hello, everyone. I've been I'm going to try this full time. Here's my Patreon if you want to support. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a journey for me. I'm going to dedicate myself to this. And this is going to be how it's worked, how it works. And luckily enough, thank you to the community. I still am like taken aback by how much people care. Um, people hopped on and they supported me. And especially in that early little bit, and it grew slowly over time. And, and it kind of showed me that there was something there. And over the four years that I've been doing it now, uh, full time, you know, it's been, it, there's been ups and downs, of course, you know, it's, but I, but I have like the foundation of like straight commission sales where like, there was like feast and famine, you know, and this is more consistent work than I've ever had in my life. Right. And, uh, and I get to meet people and travel and do what I love and teach. So I'm also using like my, my degree in a way, like I love, I want to be a teacher and I coach people how to play and I like teach tactics and strategy and, you know, and like 3d chess, the board, you know, and stuff like that. And I, that, and I enjoy that so much. So it's hard to not get up in the morning and not want to just like paint another model or like, do a discord call with the patrons or, you know, post pictures or do like a tactics video. So it keeps me motivated over time as well. Okay, cool. And um, <clears throat> did you feel confident making that change? And uh, if you remember, and if you want to, uh, are willing to share this at like, what levels were the numbers of I know, subscriptions, uh, patrons, etc.? Well, I can't really remember exactly like at that point in time. I could probably hop into the Patreon and like, like show you the, the or like go through the the um the like earnings graphs or whatever. But um uh, the like I can kind of give you some estimates, sure. Uh just to give people an uh, an idea of like yeah, what just to sort of idea, sort of I mean. thing. Um so I so what was the first part of the question? My ADD brain's <laughs> terrible. Like I'll move on to the next part. What was the first part of that question? <laughs> um, did you feel confident? Ah, there we go. Thank you. Um, no, I was terrified. Okay. You know, I had I had a I had a seven year old son, right? I have mm -hmm. you know house, right? I've got to feed. Like we got to eat. We got to pay bills. You know, it's not exactly an easy jump or transition to go from having a job to fingers crossed, right? Um, so it is business essentially correct. It is like you're starting a business as well from, from scratch, but usually like a business to get solidified, you, you kind of save up money, right? You save mm -hmm. up like some money to pay yourself for the first couple of years. And then like, eventually that, you know, you kind of build a foundation and then it starts paying for itself and, you know, and then you're fine. Right. Whereas this was like zero money in the bank, but you know, emotional, like emotionally drained from like having to deal with like the toxic nature of corporate sales business and um and just kind of jumping in as like a as a lifeboat and uh and just kind of trusting it just kind of waking mm -hmm. up every day and not thinking about it too much and just hoping right um so you know at uh so this was um it kind of helped that that year i won a couple of majors as well 
so I was kind of starting to make a name for myself at the competitive level. I went to the uh, WTC, sorry, the ETC um, in 2018, and I went again in 2019. And so I kind of started making more of a name for myself in that sense mm-hmm. as a competitive player. So I was able to kind of dive into the coaching part of the business. And that's really been something that has helped a lot, right? So as of now, I think I have about 350 Patreons or something like that on and off you know it fluctuates you know people pay you know, yeah, they can't always surely. support for all the time um and so that basically pays for the rent and like of my house and and uh, pays for me to go to events and stuff like that you know it's not i don't i'm not making like hand over fist money but i'm paying my bills right so, uh, so i understand that at the, at the very beginning you know you started the, the channel the podcast everything mm-hmm but then came in the need to improve it, so to say. So, you know, do more professional graphics, maybe like an animation intro or mm-hmm. something like that. Did it take, or should I ask like for our listeners who might be interested in starting something on their own, on their own does it take a lot of time, effort, money to do those things? Or did you use your connections, you know, somebody did like a logo somebody did an animation how how did how did so, that come about um so i think it it you have to first of all understand what your personal goal is so like for example for me the personal goal was to create a brand that made sense so the bi- biggest thing for me was to kind of like identify colors right and like attitude and like feel to the brand Right. So like you have like the logo. So I did find someone to make a logo for me that I did do. Um, and then it was about keeping the color, the like green, right. That I use for like my army and that I use for like pretty much everything I do. It's like a, it's like a it kind of connects the branding across multiple platforms. Um, now I didn't really at the first, I didn't really invest too much in anything. I, I self-taught myself. You know, it's the same with any business. If you want your business to be successful and you're running a store, like you're the one that's working every day and you're paying yourself, right? If you want it to be successful, you can't really hire anybody on until you can afford to hire someone else on, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, after a couple of, after a year and a half or so, I actually had somebody approach me and be like, Hey, I love your stuff. Uh, I want to, I want to help you with doing like a, an animated intro. Like they actually reached out to me and they did it at no cost. But then after working with them for a little bit, I was like, yeah, I need to pay you and you can be my editor because you, I love your stuff. So I, I hired an editor and I have somebody who I can record footage. I put it into a file. I send it off to them. I go to bed, I wake up in the morning and I have a bow report edited. So I'm able to like save a lot of time by hiring someone on the side to kind of do some work for me as well and kind of lessen the workload as well as a lot of the graphics and things like that that I need but that's something that came after time once I need it I found that there was a cost benefit to having somebody do that instead of myself not because I think it's necessary but because I like it's it's good to have more time for other stuff that I need to get done and I don't want to have to spend the time doing it. So it's more of a time cost thing rather than a ability thing, if that makes sense. No, totally. Um, 
and along the way further, did you like make any investments? You know, there's a lot of talk about Facebook ads or what have you. I do. Yeah, I do. So every <laughs> once in a while, I put out a Facebook ad. I haven't in about a year. Um, so I, I, funnily enough, I just sent one out today and, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll do like a promotional ad or whatever. Um, self-promotion is important. It is like you are running a business and I think it's more about trying to reach a broader audience that the, the hard part to do is I'm a one man show, right? Like in terms of production, being in videos, like it's re like, I don't have a huge team of people. I've got friends that help me and I hire like John the Cron or whatever to come and film bat reps with me on a regular basis. So he's like a contractor. Um, so I like pay him to film with me. So he's like, I pay him for his time. Right. Um, and, but at the same time, I don't have a team like tabletop tactics, right. They have like a crew of six or seven, right. And they have a whole infrastructure, a whole studio. I'm not like mini wargaming where they have six studios that can be filming every day. Right. And so they can be cranking out six to eight videos a day, right. For like a variety of content, depending on how many creators they have in and things like that. And I just don't have that infrastructure. So, I need to learn how to pace myself, right? But at the same time, make sure that I um, am like using that that you know, that effectively. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with the proliferation of of all kinds of content online that you mentioned, you know, tabletop mm -hmm. tactics, vanguard tactics, art of war, uh, there are so many things right now. Like everyone either does a podcast or records battle reports or mm -hmm. something like that. Do you find it ever more difficult to actually get followers or is your group of followers already so much established that you don't worry about that so i i'm always surprised by how many people seem to know who i am um based on like my subscription count if that makes sense so i don't have the biggest youtube channel it's actually a very moderate youtube channel i think it's twenty five thousand subscribers like it's not massive um and like in comparison to like it's it's big it's just not in comparison to some channels that have like skyrocketed in popularity over a very very short period of time and i'm okay with that because of the fact that i don't think i could sustain like incredible amount of growth for very long um, because unless I built a crazy team around me, but it is consistent. So the growth is not ex like massive, but it's consistent. And it's because, and yes, there has been a big difference. Like before growth was a lot easier, um, you know, and now there's a lot of competition out there, but something that helps is that sort of hyper-focus on like faction specific stuff. Right. I think that has kept me relevant amongst all the noise. Yeah, you know, absolutely. if you want, you know, if Dar Scarry talks about Dark Eldar more often than not, and if you want to know Dark Eldar, you can talk to Scarry or send him a message or watch one of his videos, right? Because Dark Eldar is like, and Scarry go hand in hand. Even though I play like other factions and I do other stuff, like I do the crazy Dark Eldar stuff, and I'm trying to innovate all the time. So it's like, it's like being a doctor. You know, if uh, in in a broad sense, if you're a general surgeon, you'll be busy all the time and, you know, you'll be a general surgeon. Right. Um, however, if you want to be like a doctor that's like 
that is always and always has something to do be a very specific type of doctor you know a doctor that that uh, specializes in heart disease and does one procedure really really well and you'll never be out of work right because every person mm -hmm. that has that issue with their heart and needs that procedure needs you as their doctor does that make sense okay. yeah right so even though you have hundreds of doctors <laughs> in the world you want that one doctor to do that procedure for you right if you need that procedure even though that procedure might be very rare right um anyway so that's kind of how i look at it in in and amongst the like large amount of folks that have come into this hobby and creating like a business for themselves or in this especially during the pandemic where a lot of people found themselves with a lot of extra time and they found outlets to create a little bit of additional like revenue for themselves and their families and you know found a, pa a way to express their passion or hobby and i think that is fantastic for the game as a whole you know but it is hard to get lost in the noise if you don't really have a focus on what you're trying to achieve Right. So, um, how much time a day do you spend on average on creating content? Is it like a nine to five job or is it more like, um, lenient or flexible oh, is the word I was looking for. It is very important to have a schedule, you know, um, that's something that I have found my schedule varies. It's not a fixed schedule. Now, the thing about running a your own business is that you don't count hours a lot of the time because if you just need to get a job done the job has to get done it doesn't matter how long it takes right um and that includes like filming a video or having a content or things like that now i have a schedule that revolves around my son so i get up in the morning i get him to school and then by the time i get home i basically have from like 9 30 a.m uh, to like when I have to go pick him up to 3.30 p.m., right, in the afternoons where I can, I basically have that whole time, the house to myself. So I'm trying to create as much content as possible. So I'm either scheduling like a live stream or I'm doing coaching calls or I'm filming something or I'm writing articles or I'm going online or I'm doing like metadata stuff or like I, I focus on that sort of thing. Um and then when he comes home from school, I'm like, you know, he's home. I take him to like practice or whatever because he plays football or drums or dance class or whatever, you know, we try to do with him. And uh, and then when he goes to bed, that's when I'm like, okay, I've done so many hours in the day. Now I'll have John over and we'll film the battle report, right? <laughs> you know, or we'll do something else. So I'm working after he's in bed, but I'll work for another couple hours. So yes, on average, I would say it's a good work day pretty much every single day. But it's uh, it's not necessarily in one just in one block. It's usually split up over the course of the day itself. Mm -hmm. So uh, I see that in chat we have a question from Clown Mode who asks, "How does he avoid burnout for the hobby he loves?" And I will add on to that question: like, uh, is what you've just described your method of having this work-life balance, or or does it get out of balance from time to time with all the tournaments, just put paint on it, uh, battle reports, and so on, and so on? Yeah, it is definitely hard to <laughs> to juggle life and hobby and work when they're all like the same right <laughs> um something that i've been trying very hard to do is to find a place where i can set up shop but not be in my house 
like a studio. I would love to sort of like like have the financial ability to kind of like move the studio out of Separated. my house. Mm -hmm. Correct. To have like that separation of church and state, right? Where I'm like, okay, I can go and work when I'm at work and then come home and, and, and do home stuff when I'm at home. That would be great. Um, and, you know, especially, but one of the biggest things for me is that this pales in comparison to like my work-life balance before, which was non-existent. So the fact that I can take my kid to school every day, right? That alone makes up for the years that I just wasn't at home when he got up in the mornings because I was already traveling, you know, or just was never home because I would get home at 11 and leave at five in the morning. And I just never saw my family. So, um, so that was the tough, that was some of the toughest parts. So in terms of work-life balance, it can be a lot more work if you're not used to it, because yes, a tournament for me is work, right? Like it is, it is, I'm filming about my tournament, right? I am, I'm a coach, right? So performance is part of the deal. Like, you know, I, I try and I'm still trying to do well. And sometimes I'm trying to innovate and show off weird things, but I still like need to do okay at an event to be like, Hey, I can teach you how to play this game. You know? <laughs> so, so um, it's not the same as just going to a tournament for fun. Now, how do I split it like work-life balance or like how to avoid burnout? Well, number one, play multiple game systems. Highly recommend it. Number two, don't make everything content. And I think that is one of the main things that I've learned over four years was I don't film everything that I do. And it's, it's hard because I want to. I want to take pictures of everything. I want to film every game of every system I've ever played and put it up online. But it comes to a point where I need to like not have any cameras on and just play a game of Warhammer with my friend and not care about showcasing anything. So does it sometimes happen that you actually play with a friend off camera and then you have like something, you know, that you would do for the channel because you've been doing it for so long that it becomes a habit? Um, yes. Yeah, like mainly, I guess, in the way that I explain things, like I mm -hmm. talk through like my turns and I'm thinking all the time. Like if I'm on a live stream, I want everyone to understand my thought process. So vocalizing what I'm thinking is very natural to me. <laughs> so so even if I'm playing, I'm like, I'm going to do this because I'm thinking about this and my intent is this, you know, and they're like, who are you talking to, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually healthy. Like it is. It is. Too. It's great for like yeah. a tournament mentality. But sometimes, you know, your friend doesn't care. You know, they're like, they're not going to give you grief. You know, if it's just like a funsies, like narrative crusade game or something. Especially um, if at the end you add shout out to all my patrons. Correct. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me today. Yeah, exactly. Huge shout out to the channel patrons. Like, subscribe. <laughs> Who are you talking to, Scar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, 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 it is funny. But it came about actually because my brother. So I, every game that I filmed in the early stages, almost every game, I played against my brother. Him and I learned how to play the game together since we were like 13. And it came to a point where I was filming all the games. And one day he came up to me and goes, bro, you cannot film our games. I was like, why? He's like, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I don't, I don't like it. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on me. I don't want to, when you and me play, no filming. And I was like, okay, I respect that. 
But to be honest, it was like a blessing in disguise because now my brother and I, we meet up once a month. We have a game, usually like a Tempest of War game or we've been playing Necromunda lately. And we don't film it. I don't take pictures. And him and I just like hang out as brothers playing the hobby that we grew up playing as kids. And that has been a huge part of me avoiding burnout because it allows me to enjoy the game for the hobby and for what I enjoyed it and loved it from like the beginning instead of trying to create something that other people will enjoy or appreciate, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I find it very interesting what you're saying now because uh, given the limited time that like I have, uh, I always look at any hobby activity uh, as I do, that I do as a content opportunity, mm-hmm. but I, but in the end, I usually don't do it for content. And then I beat myself up that I missed like, you know, an occasion to, to do something for the channel or yeah. whatnot to have it grow. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe it's not, it's not that bad. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, for example, John the Cron, he came to mini wargaming and that's another thing I started working with mini wargaming. And I started to learn all these other game systems, Age of Sigmar, Necromunda, Battlefleet Gothic, like all these other things that I've never played before, Warhammer 30k. And it's really cool to keep it fresh, right? So I've been mm-hmm. loving just bouncing back and forth. So I was teaching John Cron how to play uh, AUS, Age of Sigmar. And we were just down in the studio mini wargaming. It was like a late night, like everybody's gone home. We're just in the studio playing. And I was like, I'm not filming this. We're just going to have a good, like, a game together. And it was a game where I was, like, such a close, like, crazy game. It would have made a fantastic battle report. You know what I mean? Like, it would have just been mm-hmm. such a good battle report. And we both acknowledged that. I mean, like, man, that would have made a good battle report. But you have to sort of have that step back and acknowledge that it's okay to not make it content. You know what I mean? Like, you have to do things for you just as much as you do things for everyone else. Because I love making videos, but it is, you know, I love making, I'd make a video or everything. I'd, I'd be filming me, filming you guys, filming me on this podcast. And then I'd make a whole video on how Scary loves to do podcasts or something like that, right? <laughs> and that'd be very entertaining, but I'm not going to do that, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, you have to find your own balance if you, if this is something you want to pursue for sure. So at what point when you were doing this, did you actually start making profit? Was it, you know, did it take a couple of years or was it like as soon as you started a Patreon or GoFundMe or something like that and you saw that it's actually bringing profits or maybe was it when you when you started coaching? Like when did you start to break even at least? Uh, so I started breaking even, I want to say within six months of starting like full time. Um, and that was, that's, that's really what hit me the most was how quickly it happened. Then again, I, you know, I feel like I did it at a time where there wasn't as much noise and I was like one of the only content creators that was doing it full time. And so there was a lot of outward support for that sort of thing. Um, and now of course people have a lot of options to spend their dollars on, right? Like they have a lot of options to spend their euros on, their money on. And and they get to be picky and choosy, right, of what they want. So um it so all like just like any business, you know, you 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 plan for the good and the bad. You know, uh, uh once the pan the pandemic made it made it like there was a dip in like 
like patron support and things like that is like inf like now with the housing crisis happening and like inflation and cost of living going up across the world there's like it's not the same it's still like profitable but it's definitely like you have to be aware that it's uh, you know it's not always going to be like crazy money all the time like you have to budget your money you have to be prepared you have to like plan for contingencies and and things like that and um and it was um it but it was about a about two years in where i was like you know what like this is consistent if that makes sense you know like a year and a half to two years in it's like this is a consistent like thing to do and it kind of like gets take keeps your mind at ease right where you're like i just need to at least do what I've been doing and then try to innovate and create more and continue to grow and develop as a content creator, as a person to make sure that it doesn't stagnate and then kind of drop, right? Like as long as you're still doing what you did that made you successful at the beginning, like you have to keep on doing that to continue, right? You can't just like slack off when you hit that sort of like, I make money now off of gaming, right? You have to keep on doing what, what got you there in the first place. And I found that like, being consistent with that has helped me even through those like lull periods where I'm like, I'm just not going to, I'm going to continue to do what I did. And then, you know, it's, that's what got me to there in the first place. So it's that confidence in your own sort of like ability and capacity to do it. Um, right. Uh, so which, medium do you think has played the most vital role in that success that you've had like youtube i mean you, you've mentioned you're mainly youtube but i know that like facebook instagram play a significant role starting a discord server um what have you so the discord has been fantastic the like you know i i made like my patreon is like you had like it's a patreon discord which has made it very like a very tightly knit community of people who want to be in there you know so it kind of keep polices itself if that makes sense um and uh and definitely having instagram has probably been the most influential uh, after youtube like youtube is the main platform that's where all the videos go up and of course patreon is like a not just where i put up bonus videos and and additional content or blogs and things like that. It's it's also that Instagram page, pictures and stories and learning how to do, like I had to learn that, you know, it took me a while and I had some great coaches that helped me, like friends and coaches that helped me learn how to do tags properly and how to, you know, make sure that I am um, posting consistently and like getting good pictures and, you know, frequency of posting and using the story mechanic and the shorts and, you know, and that was a whole other world that is much more common for a younger generation. Um, but it has been one of the most influential parts of me keeping up to date. The only thing I haven't really hopped onto is like TikTok, for example. But I'm, I, you know, still meh. Like I don't, I don't really want to do dances. Be like Dark Eldar, yay. <laughs> Tweak one to two if he's more Italian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So we we essentially so we, no 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 not we not we. Not so wait, wait, don't wait, don't, don't 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 group us together here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait a second. In September, so like at the break of September and October last year, uh, we went to the LGT, 
in the UK to cover it. And like two days before we went there, I had this brilliant idea to start a TikTok. And I think I posted one thing there with a typo. It, like I added some sign, but there was a typo. It got zero following, and I just dropped it because I I, I felt like a boomer <laughs> doesn't really know how to do it. <laughs> but then when we were at the event, I thought, okay, at least let's use our Instagram for something. Let's use it productively. So we started doing like reels and rolls and whatever is there. I sound like a boomer now. Uh, and if you go to our Instagram and check it, like it didn't it didn't get many likes, and then most of them looked horrible because it's yeah i didn't know how to hold the you know keep the button pressed and hold the camera properly so there's like a mugshot of me going like or something like that it's just it's just really bad so yeah i i it's very eye-opening to find out that you actually had a coach who showed this to you yeah yeah um uh and uh thanks to their help it was like it, it was night and day, you know, I was, I had a couple of thousand followers on Instagram because I put random pictures up over five years or something, you know, like mm-hmm. it was just consistently consistency, by the way, is the number one thing It's just, if you put one video up every week over 10 years, like your people are going to find you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a matter of time. Um, but I, it, it exploded from like two and 2000 subscribers. Like, I think it's over 6,000 now. And it and it was all thank you to just little tweaks that I did that that my coach helped me with right and um, and so that was a lot of help so now it's a definitely valuable yeah so you you have to and that's the thing about being in business and being a content creator is like you constantly are teaching yourself new things you know like I had an original uh, software that I used I used um, like a I used an Apple computer. And it had iMovie on it. And literally everything I did was on iMovie. And then I got an editor and I sent them a whole bunch of stuff for like two years. I sent them every video and they edited everything. And so that was during the pandemic. But then I felt detached from like my own content in a weird way. I was like, I didn't feel connected to what I was making. (laughs) So I learned how to use Adobe Pro. I like downloaded it on my computer. I started editing my videos again. And it kind of reconnected me to my content. And like how I, the feel of what I wanted, and I found like, you know, the, the formula to my tournament reviews and people really like those and I like making them. So, and I get to make them on the computer. Anyway, it's a whole story, but it, you know, learning that stuff, like editing and doing that things, like you have to be willing to like learn new things and, and like get off that rust, you know, and be like, okay, I need to try this new thing or whatever. And it's important or you'll like stagnate and like sink basically yeah but it's it's even for those more down most down-to-earth things like i I know that at some point someone told me that i don't sound right or that my microphone is not picking up my sound well so i started digging into like uh headphones for example Mm -hmm. and i started going to websites that compare headphones and suddenly i had like 30 uh, uh, you know, sites open with different headphones with like tests of microphones and so on and so on. And you suddenly start getting into all this sound processing sort of software and everything around that. But that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg because there are so many other things that you need to get right as well in order not to deter people from your channel. So it, it does, I didn't realize that being an influencer, being a YouTuber and so on and so on actually takes that much hard work. 
Yeah, well, it's the same with any sort of like um, I've seen it being in business and and seeing business people or people who are considered quote successful, right? Um, and everybody goes up, man, they're so lucky to have a fancy car or whatever. But a lot of the times, it comes down to um, all the work that people don't see someone do behind the scenes, you know, and like how much effort goes into it, you know. Um, and I like comparing it to someone who's like running for a marathon, you know, or anybody probably you, anybody listening out there has probably watched Naruto at some point, right? You got that one kid or whatever who like is the punchy guy and he like has like giant weights on his legs and arms or whatever. And the whole time he's like just pra- tra- practicing and training with weights, like thousands of pounds of weight or whatever this anime but i mean it's that sense where like you think you work hard somebody else is working harder than you right so it's like how hard are you really working if that makes sense totally so um i'm not sure if we've talked about this but uh what then what is it exactly that generates your income now is it the patreon is it the coaching from art of war is it uh your denizens uh, what, what is it? yeah so, and so the... uh, what value do people get for their money uh so i do um so uh i i haven't really done much coaching through art of war of late um you know currently of course with new edition there's a whole bunch of other content it's more like create content for a cost sort of thing like uh for time basically um that's kind of more that relationship there which is really it's fine it's like a contractual thing um uh so my main income is the patreon that's like the main income now i do work with mini wargaming as a contractor i film usually two days a week with them and they pay me for my time so that's another sort of like income stream that I that I have as well. But that's super fun because I enjoy that a lot. Um, and uh, and uh, sometimes I'll write like articles or I'll do other coaching. Like I even had a day where I had an entire team pay me for a weekend of coaching. So they flew me out. Like I drove up. They put me up. They like basically paid me for my time for coaching their whole team that was like brand new and like playing 40k and it was fantastic i had so much fun doing that so in terms of bang for your buck um the thing about the patreon is that you have to give options for people depending on what they want to get out of the relationship right or their support but you also don't want to clutter it too much so like i've got a basic like three dollar tier a month which is three dollars a month and that's like you get access to all the posts that i put on the on the on the patreon like if it's a patreon only post you get access to that and it's more like a, you know hey scary thanks for doing content here's the money for a coffee every couple of days or whatever right or every day mm-hmm. a coffee you know and that's the least someone can do it's more like a token of i appreciate what you do here um then you've got like five dollars a month that gives you access to the Discord, gives you access to all the pre, uh, the, the 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 stuff that I do, um, like uh, all the bonus content that we do. And the cool thing is, whenever I do a collaboration with any other channel, and any like even all the stuff I do with Mini Wargaming, anything that goes behind their paywall goes onto my Patreon, if it includes me in it. 
So if I'm filming for mini wargaming or I'm filming, you know, with someone else and they put it behind their paywall, like I get, I, I, we agree beforehand, but I put that on my Patreon from my patrons as well, because it has me in it. Right. And I'm do so that's something else. It's not only the content that I create, but sometimes I'll be mm -hmm. in something else. Right. And then they get access to that. So it's, it's really cool to, to like, I try to make sure that happens. You know, sometimes it, it doesn't, but logistically it doesn't work. But most times it does. Um, then we've got like, uh, I've got like, and I name my tiers really cool. Like they're all dark Eldar stuff. So you've got the rogue trader level, which is a $3 level. You got the Cabalite, right. Which is like, you know, <laughs> the $5 level, you got the scourge. That's the, uh, $9 level. Now, now at that point it starts getting more into like, you know, like a service as much as uh, you get access to additional content, but I do a couple of, um, like bonus videos every week on the Patreon. And one of them is the list crunch, where if you're Scourge, Trueborn, or Incubi, you can submit an army list every week, whether it's 40K or like I fix your list. Like I basically like do list stuff. And mm -hmm. um, and I do like a video and I go through all the patrons lists. And so at, a, at the Scourge level, people go, ooh, I'm developing this list and I want to go to a tournament and they'll post it in the Discord. They'll be like, this is the list I want you to review for me, Scurry. I'll be like, cool. So I'll read them through. I'll give you my thoughts. We'll find like combos and things that work and people find that useful to develop like a list concept, which but is, is really neat. Drew Curry exclusively or oh, is it no, like no. anything? No, like I, and that's what I, that's when I said that I'm focused as a Drukari thing. Yes, people know me as the Drukari player, mm -hmm. but I play every faction. Like I, I've been playing this game for 23 years. I know like all of the factions. <laughs> so, yeah, on the, on the international level, you have to. Right, exactly. So like, uh, yes, I will do army lists for anything from custodies to orcs to Eldar to whatever. Like it's really anything. And it's about developing, um, consistent themes within a list as to what you want the list to achieve right and it's more you know so yeah anyway so that sort of thing i also do age of sigmar stuff age of sigmar necromunda like whatever list you want me to review then we go into sort of like the coaching stuff you know it's about 20 dollars a month and you get like a call with uh, a call every month to go over like your progress over the course of the month it's like a half hour call you get access to uh, a coaching document that I've put together over the years of being a coach that has a whole bunch of little resources where you can keep track of like games and you there's like goal sheets and things that you can kind of fill in over time that we use as a resource um, as well as submitting a list and all the previous stuff. And then like coaching, that's something that over time has been, has fluctuated quite a lot in terms of pricing based on where you get your coaching from. Um, I find that it, it varies, right? Depending on how, like, how big the crew is, or like how big the name is, if that makes sense. So I've just done the Incubi tier as a hundred bucks a month. It's been the same for a very long time. Um, it's I have a limited capacity of fifteen, like Incubi at a time. I don't because I don't. I want to make sure I give this the mm -hmm. right amount of time to every person. I don't want to overcommit. Um, so I only see uh, that um that number at maximum um at one time and that's like a weekly call it is the document uh you get oh yeah scourge and patreon and incubi get like uh dice and objective markers sent like free merch basically as well cool. like as a thank you you know give them merch out and stuff objectives dice things like that 
Um, and then, um, yeah. And then uh, sometimes you have someone who's like, hey, I want, I don't want to talk with you every week, but I need a TTS coaching game once a month. So they'll like get their four hours a, a month and put it together into one four hour session Look. game and mm -hmm. we'll just play mm -hmm. together, you know, but it's very, it's designed to be a very flexible system where it's like, Hey, if you go into the gym and you tell your, your coach, I want to work on my abs because I want my summer body. Right. And, um, and the coach will tell you, the personal trainer will say, okay, you need to use this machine, this machine, this machine, this many times a week, and you need to eat this food. Right. And then you do that and you should have the abs that you're looking for. Right. Where, so that's kind of where, where I step in. That's my job. Um, but that's kind of the bang for buck. And it's been very successful, I find. It's like a, it's, it's worked for me financially, but I feel like it's also something that, that isn't like too far fetched for what I'm giving people, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And do you, so you put out a lot of content. As you said, you cooperate with multiple people, with multiple teams. Do you protect your IP somehow? Uh, in what way? So, I mean, you, well, your face rep represents your channel. You, mm -hmm. you, in a way, what you present is your product. Do you have any means of of protecting it? Or like when you said that you cooperate with, let's say, Mini War Gaming, mm -hmm. and you do a battle report with them, do you guys sign like a contract that? I'm entitled to post this here. I'm, we're entitled to post that there, and so on. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Do that, you formalize it's, it. It's it's a con. It's contractual. Like you know, working with Art of War, I'm I have a contract with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like working with uh with Mini War Gaming, there is a agree like a written agreement of what the terms are of how much they will give me for my time and what we can do. You know that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um. So yes, there is definitely like it's business. It's not like you know you. You can shake hands and you know but it's still like it's still all done appropriately the same was with like taxes like you know making sure you uh do all your taxes and and register all the income that you're making through different sources and keep track of your receipts and you know that's something that is also very important as well because it is a business that you're running right yeah, exactly but that's the, the the what the majority of people probably don't think about or don't realize that this also is part of doing what you're doing so uh, i i guess it's it's worth uh highlighting and those cooperations that you mentioned the, the people that you met were those let's say when you were developing the uh the channel were mm. those deliberate cooperations or were those actual friendships that you've made uh, the people that you met at the at etc wtc and so on uh so th did you cooperate with people on purpose to get more views or was it's it just more, i made it, a friend let's mm -hmm. play together yeah that that would be how i've done it and i think that's more in terms of my brand than anything <laughs> i think that's more on brand for me than like going out of my way to like get views like i've i've never really tried to make content for views like i'm not a youtuber like i like yes there might be the odd video that sounds clake video or whatever you know just because of the concept of the video or whatnot and sometimes i I'll do a slap chop video where like I actually hit a skirt with a knife or something, which was really funny. Um, but, um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I do this because I love it and I do it because I want to show 
that you can play the hobby and you can play this game that we enjoy the way you want to play it and do it with a positive attitude and mentality. And so when I collaborate with someone or when I film something with someone or a different channel, it's more because I think it would be really cool to play a game with them, not because I think, oh, this is going to make a lot of views, right? Like, you know, did a film with Tabletop Tag, like Lawrence. We had a Drukari off when I was in England, which was really fun. Um, you know, that was like a long time coming. Like People just wanted to see that and we're like, hey, let's do it because it'll be really fun, you know? Um, you know, I've I've played with people from all over the world. And I've said this before. One of my goals is to circumnavigate the globe. I want to do a, a circumnavigation of the globe and play a game of Warhammer in every country that I can and blog about it. And that's like that's like a huge goal of mine. And I don't want to do that because of the views, but I want to go and like play people from all over the world, different ethnicities, languages, like countries, cultures, and like play the same game with all of them, if that makes sense. And I think that would be really cool. When, Sounds cool. When, when is Poland or where is Poland on your list? When are you so here? <laughs> it depends on which way I would go because I'd either go from like one side of Canada to the other and then go to like Japan, right? Like Australia, like all of that area, and then kind of work my way up from like South Africa all the way up to like the UK or to from the UK down through Europe into South Africa, and then go over to like South America and then work all my way back up. Right. Or I'd go the other way around, like I'd go cross, go up into Europe, you know, so it would just depend. I'd have to it'd be a logistical like mammoth. So um, yes, but I'm I'm waiting for my son to go to university or to like get out of the house before I decide to like run away for three years and mm -hmm. uh, travel the world. So <laughs> but that's my goal. It's like I'm putting it in the universe right now. I want to have a little GoPro and a little camera. I just want to like travel around the world and play Warhammer in every country. That would be so cool. And film the adventures of an Arkham miniature. That's right. I, he could be in like every historical thing, being like, this is mine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about coaching. And I think the most important bit for that would be whether you think that your performance at tournaments is correlated, the amount of. Um, coaching queries you get or followers in general well so what do you mean like how how would that affect my tournament does stuff? your no no <clears throat> the other way around yeah does the uh, oh, okay. tournament performance affect you know the numbers if you will. i think yes my oh say does my tournament performance affect yeah. my coaching numbers right um well, yes, of course. Um, I think it, it definitely has a correlation. You know, there's a reason why, you know, um, if you want to get like John Lennon to coach you or Nick to coach you, it's going to cost you more because the demand is higher, right? <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, you know, and and I think it, it if the people see your name pop up on podcasts and pop up on charts and pop up on stats and pop up on all this stuff and they want to learn from the best they're going to seek out those people right um so there is a correlation i think but it it's one of the things where you have to like your brand will kind of dictate what you're coaching for so if you're coaching or you want to give coaching for like i'm going to teach you how to win right then sure you can go to tournaments 
win and say, hey, look, everyone, I know how to win, right? So if you want to learn how I win, I will teach you. So I've tried to, yes, make sure that I win, right? I know how to play this game. I know how to play it well. It's my job. I understand the game more than your average person that plays one game every few weeks, right? Or a couple of games a month. You know, I play a game every day, sometimes two games every single day. I'm playing all the time on average. Um, but it's not just about winning for me. Like, I'm very clear about that when I start coaching. I will teach you how to win. But the key is I teach more about gamemanship and positive competitive mentality than anything, which is about winning the right way, which is, you know, something Stephen Box would say. Like, you have to learn how to win the right way, play the way you want to play and be played against. But it's also about the thought process that goes into competitive 40K. Like, what to really think about, how to overcome those tough obstacles, like the mental blocks and the when you go to an event and you have a bad run, right? And kind of learning how to dust yourself off, pick yourself back up, analyze what happened and then try again and it's that stickativity that is like the key part of coaching so even though there's a correlation of that i find that it is not as much as if i would have brand myself as a i like winning kind of person if that makes sense okay so i need to ask this and i ask all our guests this and i probably will ask or our, our guests uh this question how long do you think you can continue doing this? I mean, it's a great you, question. Yeah. So, do you look forward into the future? Do you think about, mm -hmm. I don't know, your retirement stuff like that? Do you yeah. think at the age of, I don't know, forty-five, you could still be doing uh, content coaching related to Warhammer, or yeah. are you planning to branch out into something else? He's already told us his plan: <laughs> to travel yeah, the world the, and play Warhammer, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so if you want to help me on my quest, support me on Patreon. No. Um, we've got a, if not, I can't afford to the plane tickets. No, we've got a, so for me, like, yes, retirement is something that is on my mind. You know, I'm in my mid thirties now and um, I'm on my way to 40. And um, I, the thing I love about what I do is that as long as I'm coherent and, you know, and, it, you know, um, um, I don't get taken by like mental illness or some unfortunate accident, you know, like dementia or something. Um, I, I could probably, I see myself doing this for many, many years. And it's mainly because of the fact that 40K or like not 40K, but just tabletop games in general tend to be something that you can do for a long time even though you're like older and your sharpness doesn't really go away if you keep up with it right like you will and the more you play the more you get better at it and then at some point you just stop like you go okay i don't really want to try so hard that's completely different but i could see myself being 60 and still going to tournaments right like i can see myself 30 
30 years from now, still doing what I'm doing and still being that dark Eldar grognard, you know, I'm like there, remember my day, Archons had a two up and verbal save that couldn't be re-rolled, you know, that sort of thing. You um, kids nowadays do not You kids nowadays get to re-roll every dice you want, you know, there's no, yeah. So that in that case, I can see myself. However, yes, I do have, like, I'm planning for retirement, you know, I've got my um, I you know do have a like a retirement plan and and things like that that I'm working towards mainly because of the fact that there might be a point where I'm not able to work or I can't do it anymore or the political situation in the world changes to the point where like I can't do this anymore you know what I mean like it's you know or the the AI takes over the world or you know God forbid like YouTube shuts down you know what am I going to do then right there's so many things that you kind of have to think about in terms of future proofing and uh but until then i'm going to keep on making videos i'm going to go to as many events as i can i'm going to meet greet talk to people shake hands answer my messages that i get on social media and i'm going to continue to try and innovate and create like the feeling when i play this game that i had when i was 12 years old which was that like cinematic like experience that i had in my head of like aliens and space marines and guardsmen all fighting in this like war-torn grim dark universe and i don't think that inner child is ever going to fade no matter how old i am and i hope it doesn't because if it does you know then then there's something else wrong with me if that makes sense mm -hmm. and uh, are you planning to keeping the formula as is or would you be looking at uh, or, or maybe you already have some plans for expansion i don't know growing an actual team around you or uh, adding more collaborations like uh, you have already with me war gaming and art of war or even i don't know um being hired by gw if that was an option oh well i i've been telling gw i'd love to play test for them forever but they don't answer my calls about that um you know, I feel like I would make a good playtester, Games Workshop. Please, I would love to help you develop the game into the future. Um, no, the so what is it? I've got like I I I'm yes, I'm continuing trying to grow and innovate. As for a team, yes, I would probably love to. I just don't know how that would work. Like I just like you kind of when you build a team of people, you need to have people who are the same passion and investment in it right that have like this the, you know that and so far like john i found and him and i have now kind of created like a collaboration team like he's doing john the cron stuff he's doing his twitch streams and things so him and i have started to work more of that symbiotic relationship in terms of content creation um but he still has his full-time job right so that's something that i could explore in the future as for expansion on my end, yes, 100%. I think the next, one of the next steps I need to make is make like a full-fledged website and not just do Patreon. Like have some sort of subscription service through a website directly that's more robust and doesn't rely on sort of like an external sort of like like company to create my revenue, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that's more imperative than like, you know, anything else in the short term. Okay. So there is there is a, a burning question that I have uh, that it sort of connects to uh, also your family. Back in the day, before I started working in the company where I work now, I was like a 
you know, one man entrepreneurship. I, I had my own business mm-hmm. and that was great in a way because I could totally influence everything I was doing. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it was shite because it was like teaching and translation and so on. And there was always downtime, for example, during the summer because mm-hmm. it was summer holidays. People didn't want to learn things. The same came around Christmas because, again, people went away for holidays and then they didn't really want to have lessons or do translation yeah. or interpretation, stuff like that. So I wanted to ask about your, for example, summer holidays. Mm-hmm. Do you actually do something with your family and have downtime from the hobby, but that means you don't get any profit? Or do you, for example, take your family to, I don't know, to Belgium, to the WTC, and do you try to connect your work with holidays and family life? Uh, so over the last couple of years, well, pandemic aside, right? Because most of my content creation time was during the pandemic, right? Which meant there was no going anywhere. <laughs> so over the last couple of years, since the pandemic like abated, uh, there's been two summers. Uh, the family has gone down to uh, Nova Scotia, Canada for like a couple of weeks in the summer and kind of just spent some time there. Now I have used that trip to connect and collaborate with some content creators um, up that way as well. You know, Nurgle Snurgle and uh, they, she's on Instagram and does a whole bunch of really cool like Instagram stuff and their whole Wrath's Reach. They do like Twitch streams and stuff like that. And I've been on their stream. So I would kind of carve out a single day or two to like go and make sure I filmed a bat rep or whatever, or was on stream just to kind of do a collaboration with them. But other than that, when I'm on holiday, something that I had to learn how to do is that's my holiday. Like no phone, no social media. I shut off. Like I disconnect for like a week. Yeah, usually once a year. Um, and every once in a while I have days when I do it, just be like, no, I'm going to total blackout for a day or two. And that's like a mental reset. Really helps with preventing burnout. Um, but yes, it's... Um, it, you kind of have to find that that um, that balance with your own sort of like situation. Um, now, when I go to like the WTC and go to Europe, that's more of a work trip for me. You know, I'm going, so I'm like W, so ETC, WTC, and then I'm probably going to be going to England and I'm going to be doing some collaborations. And it's like a th- two to three week marathon, like sprint where I'm just like every day doing something. I'm going to be playing like, 30 games in like three weeks or something and then i'm going to be coming back to canada and then having a gt that i'm going to like that weekend that i get back so i'm going to be that if my family was there i would never see them so for me it's like work it's it's a little different all right so wtc is a business trip you kind of intercepted the question that i was going to ask uh how does uh, being on team canada yeah fits into your you know, job, is it part of the job or is it like um, part of the hobby time that's outside of the job? It's outside of the job for sure, because Team Canada's its own other, like that's a whole other level of commitment, right? That's like, you're part of the Canadian team. That's the national team. Like we work really hard for Canada that has, you know, and we do practices and scrims and mm-hmm. like team meetings and all this stuff. And that has, like that's nothing to do with like my channel specifically. That's like very specific to Team Canada. It's like its own beast in and of itself. 
And so carving like that has its own time carved out for it specifically. So Albin P actually asks in the chat, uh, what are your feelings about the team events and if they seem better to you than solo games, which one, uh, you know, excites you more? I, I like team tournaments better than singles. I think uh, that is the better way to play 40k and not better in the sense that it's better or worse. It's team tournaments allow players to play the armies that they want to play um, with a purpose in mind. Whereas singles events are great and they're fun, but they're not as balanced as a team event is. Okay. And you get to play with your friends and then you like win or lose as a team. And it's just like the, it's just a totally different feel. Like team events are just the best. Totally. Uh, he's also asked another questions about your expectations for 10th edition and uh, whether you've had a deja vu feeling uh, towards the end of an edition where the power creep is just crazy. Um, so can you repeat the question you cut out there for a sec? Oh, okay, sorry. Um, expectations for 10th? Uh, so the expectations for 10th? Well, I've been really enjoying the previews Games Workshop's been putting out. Um, this is my 7th edition change. <laughs> so I've gone through 7 editions of this game. So you're and, seasoned um, already. <laughs> correct. So, like, nothing will surprise me at this point, if that <laughs> if that is a, to answer your question. So... I do not take anything without context, right? Even when they do their faction focuses and they're showing all the folder stuff, you know, mm -hmm. I don't make any judgment until I have a book in front of me and I've opened the book and I've read the rules that I, this thing has in context to the rules that this thing has, right? And then I will make a judgment call. So I am eager. I am excited for a change. And I think the thing I'm most excited about is relearning everything because I love that part of the hobby. It's like trying to find the combos and the things I'm going to be really enjoying when I play the game. And in terms of, of content creation, do you see that as an opportunity or as a challenge? Because, you know, it, it's going to be like a huge time investment, a huge effort investment mm -hmm. and so on and so on. Also, you will have to probably readjust your coaching or maybe create a new coaching offering. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. that, do you consider this a challenge or, you know, something great? It's both. Like mm -hmm. it's challenging, but it, you know, you it is it has to be looked at as an opportunity. So it doesn't become a... Uh, like a, something that is a burden to you to have to do, right? So it, you know it's something that has to be done, and if you look at it as an opportunity, it doesn't, it does, it's not as much work as if you think of it as a, as a, you know, as a weight on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we will use this question to sort of wrap the conversation. But still, can you tell us maybe or give us like a glimpse of what? people could be expecting from Arkham Sky in the next months when the, the new edition drops? Do you, do you have any plan in place already? Well, I'm depending on like what the release schedule is looking like. Um, one of the things I'm really going to be working on is redoing a lot of the um, unit by unit stuff for Dark Eldar specifically. I'm going to be breaking down the units. I'm going to, because they've changed of, of quite a few things. They've changed how like 
uh, well, all the Universal Special Rules that they've said they're going to be putting out, and they're showing a lot of them off, and they've kind of showcased a lot of the like army rules and things like that. So going through every single unit, kind of having that excerpt of like this is what it this is what historically it does in the lore and the fluff. This is what it does in the game right now, and this is what I think are the best combinations for this unit, right? Um, so I think I'm going to be doing a whole new series of the unit by unit. I think that's number one. I'm really excited about that. And then I'm going to be sort of like doing a, a whole series on that I've been thinking about where I'm going to be doing like a series of videos for like newer players that are brand new, that are just getting into Warhammer for the first time. And I am I have some ideas on like how to do that in terms of how to how a turn works and what phases do and, you know, how to do this, like very, very basic things. And then maybe some like other uh, other content where it's like more generalized content for the avid gamer and veteran of the game that's more like these are the changes from one to the other kind of having those comparisons and being like hey you know like that you don't have to sift through all the how to play new stuff you can just go okay this changed this changed this changed and it's a lot faster and quicker for you and at first that's kind of what we're going to see lots of battle reports um they did say they're going to have like a new crusade system that's going to they said they're going to like at the at the uh, thing that there might be a way to pull in your old crusade i'm a big crusade player i love narrative stuff so i can't wait to like start a new crusade for archon scary and you can go around beating up on john the cron that'll be great fun i love the passion and the the actual energy like if anyone is you know if you're only listening to this and now we're podcasting outlets and so on and you're unable to see scary uh scary was you know like moving his hands all around this is the this is the latin in in me the spanish like (laughs) mexican aspect of it where i'm like talking with my hands and like providing emphasis to my words makes for great radio (laughs) <laughs> but this this only shows how much you know you are involved with this and how much you love it and i think you know this is the main at least for me this is the main thing that draws people to your channel it's just that positive energy that love that passion that energy uh so yeah keep on doing what you're doing and now you 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 sort of gave us a preview of uh, people can expect plug anything that you want tell us where people can find you you know you mentioned this at the beginning but maybe some other people are listening to it now where can people find you or where can people expect you awesome thank you so much for having me by the way this was a great conversation i think we have blew by holy moly we like we're talking for a while so thanks for listening in your car or at home or live or on youtube the best place to find me is on youtube at Scardcast, uh, you just find me on there. All the links to everything else are on there. If you want to support the channel, best place is on Patreon. That is, of course, the way that I support what I do. And uh, if you want to do that, awesome. I'll see you there. Other than that, that's, uh, yeah, nothing else. This has been a great talk. Yeah, we, we, I, I enjoyed it very much as well. And I'll use this opportunity to also plug our stuff because uh, I don't know if people realize that we are uh, on all the podcasting media, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, what have you. And we also have a blog. Uh, I do try to mention this uh, as often as I can. I'll post the link in the chat for people to follow. Uh, There's actually going to be an interesting bit in that blog because I reached out to pretty much all the top players in Poland that are faction specialists. uh, And we're going to do a series of interviews slash articles where we are going to post what I'm going to call actual faction focuses. So what GW does 
uh, is their sort of very brief summary of what the faction is going to do in 10th. We are going to take a look at how the factions have played over previous editions up to 9th, uh, whether there is any consistent play style, whether there are any st staple units that you bring and so on. And this is for people who want to step into 10th edition, but don't know what army to pick yet uh, at this stage. So this is going to sort of bring you into the picture of what plays, what played in the previous editions, what to expect, more or less. And then uh, later we are going to invite those people who helped, who, who we interviewed to have an actual interview on camera to verify whether what they said actually uh, was true or not. So yeah, check out the, the, the podcast, check out the YouTube channel, check out Spotify and everything because there's plenty of content coming. Um, Joker, do you have anything else? Do you have any other questions or do you think we can close the episode? No, I think we can wrap up. You guys both did the plugins. Uh, hopefully whoever is listening uh, to this either live or um, re-listening to it later uh, follows, clicks those links, etc. And uh, we'll be sure to check in again as we'll be coming back with more content. Absolutely. Skari, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's actually an honor to have you every single time. I'm, I enjoy it so much and I, I have difficulties containing my excitement. So already looking forward to another episode in the future. Thank you so much. I'll make sure I have a Medusa at hand that will grow one brain fruit for you that you could just bite into every time and like relive the experience over and over again. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, fingers crossed that it works out. Um, to everyone in the chat, thank you for staying with us until the end of the episode. Um, to anyone listening, uh, you know, without vision, uh, thank you for staying till the very end. And yeah, great content is incoming both in uh, Skari's channel and in our channel. So stay around and uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, with that, thank you, everyone. And until next time. Bye-bye.